Good evening. I'm Marcus Leader, and I would like to invite you on a journey of discovery as I pull back the veil and give you a glimpse of the multiverse through the eyes of a Toltec shaman. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and turn down the lights. You're now listening to The Shaman's Brew. I'd like to start the show off by telling you that in the second half of the show, I will have Doreen Virtue talking about indigo people, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Now I'd like to start the show with a special song called A Thousand Years by Christina Perry. Colors and promises. I 
Welcome to this edition of the Shaman's Brew. This show is going to be a little bit different from what you have uh, heard from me in the past, as I will be talking about a class of beings known to many as angels. Many of the older cultures and belief systems also know these entities as Enochian beings, and in my own Toltec shamanic lineage, we know these entities as inorganic beings or allies and teachers. Sometimes these entities will come to you and guide you in your life, but they should not be confused with personal spirit guides who are highly developed souls, sometimes even ascended masters, who guide us in many aspects of our physical and spiritual life. Guides are generally assigned to us by some obscure system on the other side before we're even born. While I'm on the topic of guides, I would like to make something very clear about them. Many people ask me who their spirit guides are, and I generally reply with, you know, I don't know, why don't you meditate and ask them directly? While this is not the answer they were looking for, it is the only answer that will help those individuals to learn to communicate with their guides. I would also like to take this opportunity to offer a warning with respect to discovering and dealing with your guides. One thing that my Toltec shamanic training for eight years has taught me is that spirits, especially a lower class of spirits referred to as the Jinn, which by the way is spelled D. J-I-N-N, or fallen angels, will try to deceive you and come to you claiming to be a guide or teacher and often offering you abilities or knowledge that you might find very intriguing. But beware. Beware of spirits bearing these kind of gifts. These lower life forms are skilled tricksters and will often impersonate a higher spiritual guide in order to gain control of your thoughts. These entities live and experience our world through humans. And I am sure that you've met people who are under the control of such entities at one time in your life. So my advice when dealing with any such entity is to listen to your heart and feel for the good and pure love that true guides would offer. If your guide tells you to do things that are not beneficial to your life or spiritual development 
or if they are teaching you how to do things that you know is morally not right and connected to the lower pleasures of the physical world, then proceed with extreme caution, for you may be dealing with one of the fallen or the jinn. I have first-hand personal experience with how these entities and spirits tend to deceive and trick people both from my shamanic training and my paranormal research, and I can tell you that it happens quite often, and should you be unfortunate enough to take on one of these lower spirits, it can be very difficult breaking free. I was trained for years in spiritual combat to deal directly with these type of entities because shaman deal with earth energies in their quest for understanding of the world and spirit around them. And I can say with absolute certainty that if you let them in too far, it will become a battle to evict them. So many have fallen prey to this form of attack without even knowing it. For the better part of a decade, the Shaman's Brew has come to you with stories about many shamanic, spiritual, and scientific topics. But I've never spoken about the classification of beings known as Enochian or angelic beings. Part of this is because there are so many religious beliefs and traditions associated with the term angel. Many associate them with Christianity. And if those people are not Christian, then they consequently dismiss the idea of angels, placing them in a category of myth or fairy tales. The truth is that angels, or Enochian beings, as they are known by old world religions, came into creation and exist throughout the multiverse independent from religion because religion is a man-made construct, while angels are the product of the propagational force from the center of creation, often referred to as God. They exist everywhere at the same time throughout the entire multi-dimensional universe and carry their own energetic vibrational frequencies, or ident frequencies, as we call it at the Monroe Institute which is indigenous to each individual angel. Because of their multidimensional existence, which extends from the source of creation down to the vibrational subplanes of our physical world and even deeper, they are able to communicate with us and the Creator at the same time regardless of how many people call upon them at the same time. Now, 20 years ago, this would have been a perplexing concept to try to wrap your mind around. How can a single being be everywhere at the same time holding multiple conversations while interacting with multitudes of people? But in light of new discoveries made by modern theoretical physicists, we as scientists are beginning to see a new reality unfold about the multidimensional world in which we live. As far back as the 1950s, science knew of these perplexing oddities involving space and time, such as how subatomic particles can be placed in a lab and then separated by hundreds of miles, only to discover that whatever was done to one particle happened to the other particle, regardless of how far apart they were in distance. <laughs> 
Um, Albert Einstein had his own name for this phenomenon, and he called it spooky action at a distance, showing Dr. Einstein's sense of humor as well as his sense of wonder. Today, we know that phenomenon as quantum entanglement, and yet we still do not fully understand why it is so, but there is new light beginning to shine on the topic suggesting that both time and space are but illusions of the human condition. Time is not linear nor space, meaning that there is no distance in time or space between anything, be it you and me, or angelic entities, or even God. A lot of things become clearer when we embrace this concept. For example, let's take one of the greater Enochian beings named Archangel Michael. His ident frequency is unique to him alone and permeates throughout the entire multiverse. His energy is essentially all around you, much the same way that multitudes of radio waves are around you and going through you every moment of every day. Now let's say that you want to call upon this entity, Archangel Michael. All you have to do is to focus your desired intention and project it with the power of your will to this particular frequency, which you would be familiar with on a subconscious or soul level. This is also known as praying, and it has no religious association to any man-made religion, unless, of course, you want it to. Michael exists separate from your belief system. Now, when your energy enters the frequency range of Michael's ident frequency, it creates what is known in hyperdimensional physics as an energetic resonance, which in turn causes Michael's energy to coalesce and concentrate with your own energy. Thus, a communication link has been established, and you can, once you open up and believe in infinite possibilities, to quote a friend of mine, Jennifer Falah, you can communicate directly with this intelligent superbeing. Now again, many will ask how this single being can hold hundreds, if not thousands, of simultaneous conversations at once. This is a very good question, and fortunately, I, I have a very good answer. We humans perceive our world as a linear existence, meaning that things happen in sequence. We think in the same way, and therefore, we cannot possibly understand nonlinear existence. The best I can do is to explain the way that a being who dwells in the highest frequencies of the multiverse functions mentally. In most of the lower realms, which are from the astral planes and down, we have individual mind cells which, func which are functioning independent of each other, giving us the illusion of being separate or disconnected from the world and people around us. However, in the realm of Enochian beings, the energetic frequencies of awareness break out of the enclosed cells of individual consciousness and flow through all minds and all cells 
at the same time. This results in an infinite reach of awareness. This is how an angelic being or any being which dwells in the highest vibrational rings can be everywhere and know everything while focusing on individual minds simultaneously. This topic is going to be too vast to cover in just a single show, so I will be talking about this topic from time to time in the future. It was my intention with this show to release some of my Toltec shamanic core knowledge that I have carried from the lineage and to make others aware of alternate realities and other possibilities. Now before I turn this show over to Doreen Virtue talking about indigo people, let's take a break as we hear from our sponsors and a little more music to make the mind more receptive. Angel Whispers Psychic Network, brought to you by Angel Coach Psychic Medium, Christina LaFrance. A whole new world of online psychics with a range of gifts. Psychic mediums, channelers, Reiki masters, healers, empaths, and tarot readers. Come experience real psychics at Angel Whisper Psychic Network. You can find us at www.angelwhisperpsychicnetwork.com dot my phone site dot com or call eight seven seven eight one four six seven nine four sacred soils offers rare sacred treasures from our magical world along with cutting-edge energy products and tools for empowering your body mind and spirit we invite you to join our world by visiting the website at www.sacredsoils.com and signing up for the newsletter that offers information you will not find elsewhere. So join Marcus Leader at Sacred Soils and tell him Nightwatch sent you. That's www.sacredsoils.com. much life I've left to live and this fire is burning still when I watch you look at me I think I could find the will to stand for every dream and forsake the solid ground and give up this fear within what would happen if they ever knew I'm in love with you? Cause I'd surrender everything to feel the chance to live again. I reach to you. I know you can feel it too. We'd make it through the thousand dreams I still Another night away. 
surrounded by loving angels? Do you want to learn how to connect with your angels? Your angels are here to help you heal and move past lifelong defeating patterns that no longer serve you on your path. Learn to create a life you're excited about with Angel Intuitive Christina LaFrance. Please contact Christina for a private reading at www.yourangelcoach.com. And now I present Doreen Virtue talking about indigo people. I first became aware of the phenomenon of indigo people. They're no longer children as a whole. Most of them are now young adults. And I first became aware of indigos in my travels around the world talking about my books. And I had a lot of indigos come to my workshops and tell me that they we're connecting with their angels, since that's my major topic I write and speak about. 
and that indigos were also meeting spirits that um, were not necessarily benevolent and these spirits were in their bedrooms and causing them to have insomnia since I knew insomnia was correlated with hyperactivity and that a high number of these children were being diagnosed as ADHD or attention deficit with hyperactivity disorder I started to explore this phenomenon you know when I was growing up everybody talked about um, you know that there's monsters in the closet or alligators under your bed what these indigos told me was much much beyond the childhood tales that would frighten us and as someone who really espouses and lives positive thinking at first I didn't want to hear what these children were telling me about seeing uh, darker spirits in their bedrooms but since children in Australia in Asia Europe uh, the UK and all throughout America were telling me the same thing I thought this bears exploring and what I found is that the indigos are extremely sensitive people and they're sensitive on all levels they're sensitive to energy so these are people who easily can see and converse with spirits such as angels deceased pets and relatives um, spirits that we wouldn't consider friendly and everything in between and they're just born psychic fortunately a lot of these indigos are born to another generation that preceded them we call the light workers and light workers are also very sensitive people not quite so sensitive as indigos and these light worker parents are very allowing of the psychic abilities of the indigos so a lot of the indigos didn't get their psychic abilities shut down as prior generations did the indigos are highly sensitive to any kind of chemical and that includes food additives it includes Ch uh, chemicals that are in laundry detergent, shampoos, lotions, toothpaste, um, chemicals that are in the air, certainly. They're extremely sensitive to um, emotions. They can feel other people's pain as if it's their own, and sometimes an indigo doesn't know how to handle all those emotions. To me, the definition of an indigo is someone who's highly sensitive with a warrior personality. A warrior personality means that someone is here to lead and to take charge. I think of Joan of Arc as a perfect early example of an indigo because Joan of Arc as you may know was a 14 year old farm girl in southern France who talked to angels, she talked to Archangel Michael, she also talked to the saints Catherine and Margaret and they told her that they wanted her to lead France in a revolution to take back France from the English invasion and that they wanted uh, Joan to put Charles on the throne of France and here she was an illiterate uneducated farm girl 14 years old you can imagine what she must have felt like but as an indigo they knew that she had that leadership quality where she would follow the divine direction and get the job done well now we're so fortunate on this planet I really believe that the indigos are answers to our collective prayers for peace you know in the 60s and the 70s there was a lot of activist movements where we wanted to eradicate the Vietnam War we wanted to bring peace on earth but somewhere along the lines those activists got distracted with family and, and jobs and such and and basically put down the sword now the indigos are here and they will not get distracted the indigos that I talk to worldwide are angry they're angry about war they're angry about pollution they're angry about lack of integrity in governments they're angry about how children are being taken care of and they're angry as activists always are angry and it and yet it's different this group 
has the energy, in my opinion, to take this, this, this purpose that they have to lead us into the new energy, what I call the golden age we're going into, and to make sure the job is done. One of the key differences I see in indigos that's not in any other generation, this is as a, as a former psychologist, is that in former generations, if there was an intense energy that the person didn't feel they could handle, or if they were in a situation where there was dishonesty, the person would dissociate from their feelings. For instance, when, when I was a child in my generation, um, if we were in school and we thought, you know, what I'm learning doesn't have anything to do with my real life, and we'd question the teacher and we'd say, why do I need to learn this? The teacher would just say, because you have to learn it. And we would all say, okay. And we would shut down our feelings. The indigos do not seem to have the ability to shut down their feelings. They do not dissociate from their feelings unless they use drugs, unless they use uh, self-medication such as marijuana, alcohol, other um, you know, street drugs, or unless they're prescribed a psychoactive drug like Ritalin. It's the only way they can turn the feelings off. This gives me hope. This shows me that this is a group of individuals who will start the job and take us through to the finish. When I look at the history of the cycles of the world and the dark ages we've been through and the golden ages we've been through, it's a pretty clear pattern. In the dark ages, we lose our spirituality, we lose our integrity, and we only pay attention to the physical and that which we can touch and measure. We become very left-brain dominant and very scientific in the traditional sense of science. In the golden ages, we explore spirituality, this is where the beautiful mythology of our world comes from. This is where spiritual healing and enlightenment tools such as music therapy from Pythagoras has come from. And integrity comes from. The indigos have a key characteristic that they have an inborn truth detector. They know when they're being patronized, when they're being manipulated, talked down to, or lied to. And they trust that feeling more than prior generations have. When I talk to people in general around the world, everybody tells me the same thing. They know for a fact that the governments are lying. They know that the media is taking us into a direction that's not truthful. And yet, the older generations seem complacent about this. Yes, I'm frustrated. Yes, I know my government is dishonest and the media is, is um, giving us false information. But, oh well, what can we do? I'm just going to try and be happy today. The indigos, on the other hand, say, yes, the government's lying, the media is, is um, misleading us, and I'm going to do something about it. And you know what? I believe this generation has the energy to do so. I really have teased down that the old energy, the dark ages, can be boiled down into dishonesty and can be boiled down into to competition and um, a belief in greed. And it all comes down to believing that there's not enough to go around, that you have to compete and struggle to get your bills paid and to make sure that you get yours. That's what the dark energy is all about. In the golden energy that we're about to go into, we have remembered that there's plenty to go around for all of us. There's an abundance that God is all about yes and plenty for everyone. And the indigos know this. They know that instead of competing for your good, you can manifest it, that you can take your heart's true passion and turn it into a service in which you will be paid in return and you'll be fully supported. The indigos also know that 
dishonesty and greed come from that same fear that there's not enough. So the indigos with their inner truth detector know that you can communicate with one another honestly and still get your needs met. You can't lie to an indigo. You absolutely cannot get away with a lie. An indigo only respects someone who is in their integrity. They do not care how much money that person makes, how nice a car they drive, or what fancy suit they're wearing, or if there's a plate in front of their desk that says principal of the school. All the indigo cares about is does that person have integrity in heart or not. And if the person has integrity, the indigo will relate to them one-on-one. -on -one. If the person doesn't have integrity, the indigo may give them a try for a while, but then we'll just write them off. And so the indigos are often mislabeled as being having no respect for elders or authority. And it's because authority in of itself isn't valuable in the new energy. What's only valuable is truth. Here's what they show me as a beautiful and healthy vision of our future. As the indigos teach us that we all necessarily have to be honest with ourselves and get our own lives in accordance with integrity and walk the talk and take care of those parts of our life that are unhealed or out of balance and really get our lives in order. And as the indigos literally force us to be honest with each other and speak our truth with love, we're looking at a world where people cannot lie to each other. In my studies and in my research and workshops around the world, people are telling me that they are becoming more aware of their own psychic abilities. More people are having telepathic experiences where they think about someone and the phone call rings or they think about John Doe and they run into him at the grocery store an hour later. So more and more people, including very mainstream folks, are being aware of their own inborn natural ability to connect mind to mind with the energies and as we all become and allow ourselves to become more telepathic and more psychic as we all get in touch with our inner truth detector and learn to trust it instead of denying it and saying oh well maybe I'm not right this very soon will be a world where it will be absolutely impossible to lie to one another and it's to that point right now we're at the brink where our discernment ability is at its peak. We're able to, for instance, when watching or listening to the news, we can feel, okay, that feels like the truth, it clicks. No, that doesn't feel like it's clicking as the truth. What the, what's, what's needed next is the next step is to learn to trust our gut. And the indigos already do that, so there are leaders to take us into the golden age of integrity. When that happens, everything's going to shift. They show me that initially there'll be a, a, a collapse of old systems. And it may feel like disorganized chaos. Some people may believe it's the apocalypse. And what will be needed is strong leaders to say, no, this is the old scabs of the old cancer falling away. We need to let go of the old so that the new skin, if you will, of the world can be revealed. Because the truth of the world is that it's a reflection of the divine. It's already healed. It's already perfect. It's already whole. It's already complete. And that's the parallel universe we have of the healing that the indigos are here for. But we've got to help them. If we have our indigo children mask their spiritual gifts with substances like Ritalin or fast food that's being sold on school campuses for lunch, 
then we are literally shackling these children. We're putting them into chemical straitjackets, and they will not be able to save the world that they came to do. One key characteristic of the indigo generation that you always find is a huge amount of what I call existential anger. It's not anger for themselves personally. It's a more generalized anger for the state of the world. And I have found that the indigo generation is passionate about getting in there and doing something about it. You don't find the complacency that you find in prior generations who say, oh well, as if there's some authority figure who's in charge. The indigos know that they're the authority figure, and if it's going to be, it's up to me. The prior activism we've seen in this country has been about the old energy of competition. I'm going to win over you. You're going to lose, I'm going to win. The indigos don't bring in the competitive spirit. They know that cooperation will get you farther than trying to take something away from someone else. So you're seeing more of a Gandhi approach to uh, a peaceful protest, if you will, going on. And yet the indigos, I find, really need our help in learning how to channel their anger constructively. When you have an indigo in your classroom, or if you're a parent of an indigo, the point is not to reduce their anger. The point is not to squelch their anger. The point is to learn how to channel the energy, the beautiful energy, of existential angst or existential anger. Channel it constructively. So, in my opinion, the indigos need to learn how to perform peaceful acts of activism, things like letters to the editor, getting involved in committees on a, on a very um, local level, such as city councils. We're seeing some indigo children start um, environmental projects locally. And, and because of their young age, the adults are, are really listening to what the children have to say. A lot of the indigos think that they're too young to make a difference. We need to remind them that it's never too young to make a difference on the planet. And actually, they're better off to start young because they have, I think, a little more time, a little less on their plate of life. And because they're young, they charm the adults into listening. They, they also need to learn how to not become self-destructive with this anger that they feel. In the worst case, you see instances like Columbine, where children become violent because of this anger and because of the frustration they feel about systems that are just so chaotic, so archaic, and in some cases cancerous. In, in the best case scenario, self-destructiveness with this anger would look like an addiction to violence, where you see children addicted to violent video games or movies, or where they'll self-inflict wounds with um, cutting themselves or even suicide attempts. These children are angry for a good reason, and I believe that anger can be used in the way that we've seen, like in Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., that it can champion a cause that can make the world a better place, and it can be done with a great deal of love through things like Gandhi taught us, like passive resistance, or Dr. Martin Luther King's Jr.'s work with boycotting any kind of business that um, is not in alignment with our principles. Uh, most of the parents who contact me about their indigo child uh, have a frustration of how to work with making changes. Probably one of the number one things I hear is, well, what do I do about my child's diet? My child seems to be addicted to potato chips and soda and foods that we know are unhealthful, particularly for an indigo child, because these um, junk foods and soda pop actually leach magnesium out of the body.
and we know that magnesium deficiencies are very correlated with the diagnosis of ADHD. And, and yet, uh, it's not enough for a parent to know that these are unhealthful. Putting it into practice can feel frustrating. So what I teach parents is sometimes it's not about taking away the foods, it's about introducing an alternative. With my own sons, and my oldest son is definitely an indigo child, when I began feeding them organic salads, that's lettuce, carrots, tomatoes that are organically grown without the harsh negative energy of pesticides, when I started feeding them the salads, the children softened. Their aggressive tendencies just became gentle. And I found that I was better able to communicate with my son, that he was more accessible and more open-hearted to me, and that naturally his desire for the harsher foods fell away. So sometimes it's not about having a power struggle with a child. It's about giving them something that's a better alternative. In speaking with indigo children around the world who have adopted a healthier diet, what I found is that they are so sensitive to their own body that if they will just be given something like a, an organic smoothie, which would be organic fruit juice with organic fruit in it, and usually some protein powder in it, that children who eat this way notice that they feel better. And the indigos really do care about themselves, and they, they want to feel better. So they're searching for what will make them feel better, and they need our help to learn what those alternatives are. I've also found that, especially for your aggressive male indigos, that the eastern forms of movement, like tai chi, kung fu, even karate, help them to learn how to center themselves and how to manage their energy. And when my own children were young, I found that when I put them into a kung fu class, their grades went up, and they became happier, and their confidence level also went up. Using the scientific studies about what's practical, and also the scientific studies that show that Insomnia is probably the number one issue that is absolutely statistically correlated with the diagnosis of ADHD. In other words, these children have sleep disorders. Is there so many practical ways that we can help our child to have a better night's sleep? For instance, um, the oil of lavender, which comes from the natural flowers of lavender has been absolutely shown in scientific studies to help us sleep better. So you can sprinkle a little lavender in a little dish next to your child's bed or even put some on their pillow and, and their um, sheets and they will sleep better at night. We've also found that if you exercise with any kind of cardiovascular exercise, it doesn't even matter what, it could be fast walking, running, bicycling, swimming, you get your heart rate up for 20 minutes your whole body chemistry changes in a very beneficial way. What happens is that your brain starts to produce and secrete a very essential neurochemical called serotonin, which is spelled S-E-R-O-T-O-N-I-N. Serotonin is the chemical that helps us and our brain to be balanced, to help us to have a good high mood, good high energy level, to sleep better, it also is correlated in, in bedwetters, in uresis. Bed, bedwetters don't have enough serotonin production. And also women with PMS, um, premenstrual syndrome, have a low serotonin level. People who have a low serotonin level also crave um, junk food, refined carbohydrates, and they also tend to grab a lot of caffeine and sugar to boost their energy. So serotonin seems to be key in 
managing the energy of everybody, especially indigos, who sometimes wake up cranky and tired and hungry. Now, how do you have more serotonin? As I mentioned, the scientific studies show that 20 minutes of cardiovascular exercise instantly and for quite a long time elevates serotonin level like nothing else does. Also, meditation increases serotonin, as does going out in the sunlight, where you get the absorption of vitamin D that's so necessary to all of our health. And so if we will go outside and exercise just for 20 minutes, and if we'll meditate right before going to bed, we find that we sleep better. So in summary, cardiovascular exercise for at least 20 minutes, meditation, and at least 20 minutes of sunlight, and it can be in the hours where the, uh, the sun rays are not quite so harsh, so in the morning or the late afternoon, will increase the serotonin level in the brain, and what that will do will trigger melatonin, which helps us to have a better night's sleep. It also helps us to dream at night, which is a time when we process a lot of emotions and also get visitations from angels giving us important messages. And the three, um, if someone will practice these three steps, they will find that they actually can lose weight, they can get off of uh, psychoactive medications like Prozac and Ritalin and feel very alert and have naturally a high... Um, happy mood. So when I interviewed indigos around the world, one of the most surprising elements was the number of indigos and also their parents that complained that these children were not sleeping at night because they had what sounded like the boogeyman in their bedroom. And at first I thought, well, this is just normal childhood fears. And being an, a, a someone who definitely walks the path of optimism and you know positive thinking, I at first didn't want to look at this pattern that was emerging in my studies. But after a while I thought, I better take a look at what these children are talking about with these spirits in their bedroom that are keeping them up at night. And what I found is that very much like the um, little boy in the movie The Sixth Sense, who had deceased people come to him because he was psychic and the deceased people knew that he could see them, these very psychic indigos are attracting spirits of all levels. And just like on earth, not everybody in the spirit world is someone you'd want to hang out with and have dinner with. Of course we're all holy children of God, but you don't want to necessarily make everyone you meet your best friend. So there's some spirits that are in real trouble, that are um, frightened and maybe frightening, that come to these indigo children for help. And the indigo children don't know how to handle it, and it makes them feel unsafe, and it keeps them awake at night. So what I learned is that we have to teach the indigos how to manage energy, how to clear space. And one of the best ways to do that is to call upon the non-denominational, very powerful and very real archangel named Michael. Most people have heard of Michael. He is just as real as, as I am, as anyone watching this film is. And Michael is the protector who helps to release us from any form of fear whether it's being confronted with a bully or something frightening in your life, you're, you're uh, in physical danger perhaps, and in the case of having a spirit in your bedroom, Michael will usher that energy away. Once I began teaching these parents and also their children how to call upon Michael, we found immediate and very positive improvements in the sleep levels of the indigo children. And it's such an easy step to do. How do you call him Michael? You just think the thought or you can say it. Michael, please come help me. 
and it's done instantly. Because of the law of free will, the spirit world, including our creator, can only help us if we ask for help. So we do have to request this intervention, and it's done. You can also teach your child other intervention methods, like ringing a bell, or uh, using sage to clear the room, or even having a bowl of water with sea salt in it is very cleansing. This empowers the child to know that, hey, I have some say-so in who's around me, both spiritually and physically, and it raises the child's self-esteem, as well as helps them to be in better mood and have better health because they sleep better at night. Most people on the spiritual path at one time or another get repetitive feelings or thoughts or visions or other divine messages that ask them to clean up their diet and to detoxify their body from chemicals. And indigos are no different. A lot of indigos I talk to have been receiving the impression that they should eat better. But what happens is that we're at a period in our, in our Earth's history where fast food is now being sold for lunch on school campuses worldwide. And it is very correlated with this epidemic of childhood obesity and diabetes that we're coming across, to purely through a bad diet. Fast food is addictive. It is physically addictive. It is psychologically and emotionally addictive. One of the reasons it's addictive is because of its high fat content. And fat, when you become accustomed to it, makes your stomach digest at a slower rate. It's like putting grease in a drain, and it clogs it up. When you move to a lower fat diet, you have a very uncomfortable feeling of being hungry. You almost feel like you're starving, and you can feel shaky, and the person will go right back to the high fat diet, just like a drug addict returns to their drug of choice. So what we have is a fast food industry who's cashed in on the addictive nature of fast food by introducing school lunch programs that are extremely unhealthful. The fast food industry is, is paying off schools a premium in return for their ability to sell on campuses, and the schools have now become addicted to the money that they get from the fast food industry. But there's good news, and that is that Parent activists who've gone to school board administrations with facts and figures showing how dangerous fast food is to our child's physical, spiritual, and educational well-being have been able to get soda pop and fast food off of school campuses. And it's one of my passions and one of my lifelong dreams that we can return school campuses to a more holistic eating style. That, that, that food will be made on the school campuses. Maybe not the mystery beef that they used to sell on school lunch programs when I was a kid, but something like organic fruits and vegetables, fruit juices and water, as opposed to caffeinated and sugared beverages that are sold right now. And my organization created a nonprofit website called schoollunchangels.org that is absolutely free of charge charts and graphics and information that any parent can download and, it's, and take to their printer and put on cardboard. This is tools that is based on real scientific data from Journal of American Medical Association and the New England Journal of Medicine created by a biologist who has given us a kit that we can take to any school board meeting and it will 
It will show our case as to why we as parents demand that fast food and soda pop be taken off of school campuses now. Otherwise, how can we get our kids to clean up the diet when it's being sold right there as the only alternative to eat on school campuses? I would now like to close this show out with a very special song by Celine Dion called A New Day. This is Marcus Leader, and you have been listening to The Shaman's Brew on the Jackalope Media Network. Let it shatter